0: So number 25. Today, Sunday, November 27th. Coming off of USC Fight Night 101 in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, we got some things going on in MMA. Definitely not as busy as it was last weekend. I mean, last weekend I think there were, I don't know, 20 or 25 fight cards to watch. So a lot of action going on, but a lot of stuff in the news this week. So we had the one fight night, and then we got some fighters pulling out of big fights, and we got... Some titles moving around, some interim titles being awarded and, and titles taken away and things like that. So, But again, not as much uh, going on as there was last week, obviously, with all the two UFC fight nights, Bellator and Victor, everything else that was going on. Uh, I had to do two episodes last week just to cover everything. Uh, and if you missed the last episode, which was an interview with Bellator fighter Colleen Snyder, Go back to episode 24 and check that one out. She was a great interview. She has some awesome stories. She's been all over the world, fought everywhere, and she plans to continue doing that. She wants to go back and fight in Japan and all kinds of fun stuff. Anyway, hope everybody had a great holiday as well. So we had that going on last week. Hope everybody got some time off and got to relax a little bit this weekend and eat too much and drink too much and whatever else it is you do during the holidays watch football I don't know whatever it was I hope you enjoyed it and it's just the start of the holiday season so we got a lot a lot going on everybody's going to start their shopping Black Friday you know kicked off the shopping season so everybody's out getting Christmas gifts I do all my shopping online I don't bother going to stores I don't do Black Friday I don't get involved in any of that nonsense I, I like my I like my violence on television and on the internet I don't like To see it in person at Walmart, you know, people hitting each other with handbags over a 26-inch TV is not really, you know, what I call a fun Friday morning. In any case, let's get into some MMA news. So, uh, one of the biggest headlines this weekend was Daniel Cormier pulled out of his UFC 206 headlining fight with Anthony Rumble Johnson. Now, there have been some mixed opinions about this card a lot of people just considered ufc 206 to be the pay-per-view in between conor mcgregor fighting and ronda rousey fighting so obviously conor mcgregor fought at ufc 205 in new york ronda rousey is going to be fighting at ufc 207 and daniel cormier was slated to fight anthony johnson at ufc 206 but now that's not happening dc pulled a muscle in his groin so he had to pull out of the contest and You know, a lot of people are criticizing his camp at uh, American Kickboxing Academy or AKA out in California because it seems like a lot of their fighters get hurt during training camp. I don't know if they're sparring too hard or if it's just the training methods that or the workouts that they're going through that they're putting their fighters through. It's just too much on their bodies. Whatever the case, these guys are getting hurt a lot. So maybe it's not smart training. Maybe it's just, you know, a string of coincidences. In any case, Cormier will not be fighting Rumble Johnson. Now, you would think Rumble Johnson would be devastated. He uh, was actually very nice, and he wrote Daniel a nice tweet saying, I hope you recover, champ. Wish you all the best. And Cormier responded just as cordially and said, Hey, I left you a message. I'm really sorry. I'm going to miss the fight. And, you know, that's great. It's awesome sportsmanship. It's, It's great to see... That they're respectful of each other. But it's also the reason that this fight was not a big draw. Because both of these guys are such genuinely nice guys. There's no trash talk. There's no drama. And that's what you need to bring in the casual fan. And I've said this time after time. Don't get me wrong. I'm an MMA purist uh, to a degree. And I like to see great fights and interesting matchups that's what I like to see I like to watch the undercards Um, I like to watch other organizations but if you want to have big draws if you want to have high pay-per-view numbers if you want to do Conor McGregor numbers or Ronda Rousey numbers you got to have some drama some backstory because that's what draws in the casual fan you know a casual fan is not going to look at a fight card and look at guys records and see who's a wrestler and who's a boxer and Kind of analyze how the fight might play out your casual fan wants to see these guys yelling and screaming at each other having fights on twitter having fights at press conferences this is the stuff that makes money and that draws people in and creates buzz wasn't a lot of buzz about UFC 206 and uh I still don't think there will be I mean there there's still some star power on there uh obviously Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Matt Brown to a hardcore MMA fan, this is a dream matchup for someone like myself. Dream matchup, you know this. This is gonna be awesome. They both have explosive fighting styles. They're good everywhere. Who knows how this fight can play out? It, it could be a war. It could be a bloodbath. It could be a technical back and forth kind of matchup. That's interesting to me. That's not interesting to the casual fan. Casual fan might say, "Oh, I know Cowboy Cerrone. He's cool. He's funny." Uh, Who else is on the card? And, you know, if they don't recognize any names, they're not going to tune in. They're definitely not going to pay for a pay-per-view. So what the UFC did to try and compensate here is, and it gets a little bit complicated. So I'm going to try and go over this as delicately as possible. (laughs) So the co-main event was going to be Anthony Pettis and Max Holloway. Rightfully so, you would assume that this would be a title eliminator fight. And whoever won would get a shot at Jose Aldo and his interim title. So what the UFC did to mix things up, in my opinion, they did this, you know, because there's now a lack of a title fight. How can you ask people to pay $60 or whatever it is for pay-per-view when there's no title fight on the card? So the fight between Pettis and Holloway is now going to be an interim title fight for the UFC featherweight championship. Now you might say, I thought Jose Aldo was the interim champion and Conor McGregor is the featherweight champion. Obviously we saw Conor win two belts at the same time and make UFC history in New York a couple of weeks ago. So what the UFC did was they stripped Conor McGregor of his featherweight championship, which he hasn't defended in over a year. Okay, that's fair. So you would think Jose Aldo is now the champion because he was the interim champion. Because we're kind of up in the air whether or not Conor McGregor is going to go back to featherweight. I kind of knew all along he was never going to go back to featherweight. i said that on the show a couple episodes back, um, you know, before the New York card. And his coaches have even said he can't make featherweight anymore. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are upset. You know, big Jose Aldo fans. I'm a big Jose Aldo fan too. But, I mean, come on. You got to be realistic here. Get over it. He's not going to get his rematch. I don't think it takes away from Jose Aldo's legacy whatsoever. And who knows what Jose Aldo's going to do. I mean, he talked about retiring and he talked about going and playing soccer and this and that. Uh, The guy's totally unpredictable, so who knows? Uh, I would love to see the old Jose Aldo, pre-Conor McGregor drama come back and see that guy fight again. And I would love to see him fight either Anthony Pettis or Max Holloway. So this was UFC's attempt to kind of make up for taking one championship fight away. So you had one headlining fight that... You could make the argument was not going to draw a lot of people into buying this pay-per-view. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I I like Cormier. I like Johnson. They're both amazing fighters. Two of the greatest of all time, you get to argue. But they're not draws. They're just not. So anybody who was going to tune in for them, now they're not. Uh, You have a fantastic main event here. Don't get me wrong. Pettis and Holloway, this is going to be a fucking amazing fight. And I said a couple of weeks ago... I was more excited for this fight being announced than pretty much any fight the rest of the year this has the makings for an instant classic obviously holloway on a nine fight win streak i believe and pettis just coming down uh to featherweight he's only had one fight there but he he looked pretty good obviously submitting charles Oliveira uh, says a lot because charles is known for his jiu-jitsu even though you know he got submitted in his last fight as well in any case both of these guys are deserving a title fight, and if you're confused about why this is happening, I don't think I could explain it any more clearly. They need a title fight on this pay-per-view to get people to buy it. Bottom line, uh, I wouldn't pay the 60 bucks to watch this pay-per-view, and I'm a huge hardcore fan, but I will watch it. But I'm not gonna order the pay-per-view and and put out the money for it. You know, I'll go watch it at a bar or something. Or if if a friend is is ordering it, I'll come over and and chip in for beer or pizza or something like that. In any case, Conor McGregor stripped of the title. Um, We haven't really heard much of backlash from him. I don't think he cares, honestly. Um, Maybe if he were going to immediately turn around and fight at welterweight, he might have put up a fuss about this, but... Uh, I don't think he's really concerned about it. He made history already. If he goes and gets the third belt, I don't think anybody will say like, well, he didn't have three at one time. It's still pretty fucking amazing if he's able to win titles in three different weight classes. He'd be the first fighter to ever do that. He doesn't have to have them simultaneously. But yeah, I mean, you're always going to have the people who hate on Conor and who think Aldo is getting the short end of the stick here because he didn't get a rematch. But You know, to those people, I would say uh, tough shit and, (laughs) you know, just enjoy the fights. I mean, don't don't worry about titles and rankings and and everything like this. You know, McGregor's not coming back down to featherweight. The only way Aldo is going to get that rematch is if he moves up to lightweight and he blows through a couple of guys, he destroys some contenders there, which, you know, he definitely could. Yeah, I wouldn't rule that out. If he wants it that bad, he he can move up, he can challenge Eddie Alvarez. You know, I think that'd be a phenomenal fight. He can challenge the the winner of uh, Tony Ferguson and Khabib if they fight. If McGregor's going to take an even longer uh, layoff, you know there are ways for him to do it. You know, whining about it is is not going to make a difference. In any case, that's what's going on there. And then next weekend we have the card, which is. I believe, I believe it's the <laughs> Ultimate Fighter finale for this season, which I haven't been watching. If anybody's been watching this season and it's worth checking out, I'll, I'll go back and watch it. Please let me know. You know, send me a note on Twitter or something and say, say, Bill, like, go check this out. The fights have been awesome. The the drama has been really good, but uh, I don't know. I couldn't get into it. I I think the the trash talk between uh, Joseph Benavidez and Henry Cejudo is. Is awkward and forced, and I, I think it'll be an okay fight between those two. I, I think whoever wins this show is gonna get smashed by Mighty Mouse Johnson. And if I'm wrong, it's probably the best thing that could happen to this division because it, it's it's a division nobody cares about right now. Everybody wants to sing about how Mighty Mouse is the the greatest fighter pound for pound, but is anybody really looking forward to flyweight fights right now? Honestly. If you are, you know, let me know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think anybody's breaking their piggy bank open to watch a flyweight fight on pay-per-view. So that's just my opinion. And I think Mighty Mouse is great. I think he's really exciting. But the guy's got no competition. There's nothing going on there. So what we need is a scenario like we had with the women's bantamweight division when Holly Holm beat Ronda Rousey and all of a sudden the division blew wide open. Now we've got competition left and right. This belt's like up in the air. Nobody can hang on to it. That's exciting. And when that happens with the flyweight division, that'll be exciting too. Maybe it'll happen next week. You know, when the winner, whoever wins, I don't even know who's favored to win uh, the Ultimate Fighter. I think we're going to find out on Wednesday who wins that, but maybe we'll find out, (laughs) you know, maybe that guy will come in and smash Mighty Mouse and then you know, we got a whole new deck of cards to play with here. You know, maybe Henry Cejudo is a bad matchup for that guy or or Benavidez is a bad matchup for that guy. And then we got the title change of hands a couple of times. I don't see that happening. You know, if you want to take a week off from UFC, I would think that next weekend would be the week to do it. I know you spend a lot of time with your family over the holiday and everything like that, but I would say, you know, you want to take a little break, take it next weekend. In any case, last night... We had a pretty underwhelming card, in my opinion, as well. And, you know, consensus on, on Twitter, which is where I get most of my consensus from, because uh, why not? What else is there? What other forum is there to, to really connect with other fight fans? It seemed like people were disappointed with this card. And I got to say, too, it's I don't know what it was. I think it was just a, a low-energy card. You know, And it's not because 10 out of 13 fights went to decision, which they did, and that's fine. I think if you're expecting every single fight to be a finish, then you need to lower the bar a little bit. Your expectations are way too high, and you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I don't mind that a lot of these fights went to decision, and some of them were were great fights. But there was just something about the energy of this card, and I can't exactly put my finger on it. Um, so John Anik and, and former fighter Dan Hardy were doing the commentary. I don't think they had the best chemistry together, you know, not to hate on those guys. I, I think that Anik is great when he does the commentary with Brian Stan. And I think Dan Hardy is great when he does commentary with, with, uh, Gooden. But there was just something about the way they interacted together. That was just a little awkward. It was like, they didn't know when to laugh at each other's jokes, and they didn't really know how to respond. And they were missing a lot of things. They would say, oh my God, or oh wow, and then not explain fully what happened. And it's like, it it was, and I know what happened. They were just waiting. Each of them was waiting for the other to say something. And then, you know, the moment would be passed. But I think they missed some opportunities to explain to casual fans. If you're flipping through this on TV, the whole... The whole goal of these free fights on Fox Sports 1 is to to get the casual fan on board with some of these lesser-known fighters. You know, that's why you put it on TV. So people are flipping through, and they say, what's going on here? But you got to have everything explained properly. And again, nothing against those guys. I think they just weren't in a rhythm together. And then, you know, who knows w- why it was a low-energy card or... Or why I felt that way anyway. Maybe it's because it was in Australia. Um the, the card was in Melbourne. So it's opposite time from here. So I think it's 12 hours difference actually. So it could be that you know a lot of these fighters are jet lagged or you know they didn't prepare properly, even though most of them I think I think almost half the fighters on this card were from Australia, including you know, Robert Whitaker who won in the main event against Derek Brunson. Now, both of these guys were on five fight win streaks and they both looked really hot coming into this fight. I think Brunson had a more notable win streak just because he's coming off four knockouts in a row. And, uh, I think he was favored in this fight and for a fairly good reason. I mean, he's looked, he looked completely dominant in his last four fights and he's knocked out some killers and he was calling for a title shot. Uh, I think maybe looking past robert whitaker a little bit which was a huge mistake because this kid is really coming into his own he's really finding a rhythm and he finds ways to win his striking is phenomenal he's a counter striker he has great timing he has good footwork so the way this fight went down in case you missed it or in case you changed the channel because you were unhappy with the rest of the card this fight exploded as soon as the the bell sounded, so these guys, Brunson basically ran at him like a rooster with his arms behind him. I, I don't I don't know if I can even explain this properly, but basically ran at him face first and swinging his arms. And you know, Whitaker stood his ground and he was swinging back and he backed up a little bit. It it reminded me almost of Pride when Don Fry fought Takayama and they just grabbed the backs of each other's heads and, uh, (laughs) you know, they started just pounding each other's face in. It kind of reminded me of that, where they were just swinging wild. There didn't seem to be much technique until you realize that Whitaker is timing his shots. He's not just swinging back. You know, he was, he was timing his counter punches and Brunson kept pressuring forward and here's what i think happened i don't know if he had a poor weight cut or whatever the case was maybe jet lag again who knows but it was obvious he was trying to end this fight in the first round Uh, and he was successful because you know he threw his face at whitaker and whitaker punched it and knocked him out so if his only goal was for the fight to be over in the first round then he achieved it (laughs) um unfortunately it was not the result i'm sure he was looking for Um, in any case, I think, you know, maybe he got in his own head a little bit. Uh, Like I said, it seems like he was looking past Whitaker a little bit. He he was saying that he wanted a title shot after this fight, which it's hard to argue a title shot for him, not because he hasn't been impressive, but because of all the killers you have in this division right now. Uh, Obviously, you have Romero knocking out Weidman, and he's probably going to challenge bing next. Uh, then you can't deny that Jacare Souza is a top contender. And of course, when Luke Rockhold is healthy, I mean, he just held the title yesterday, it seems like. So you can't really deny that he's up there either. So I think Whitaker's a little bit more realistic. I think he was more focused on the challenge in front of him. I think he fought a smart fight. He didn't try and brawl with Brunson when Brunson came flying at him like an angry rooster. <laughs> And he timed his shots. And you really can't deny the guy's power, uh, if that was ever a question. Because he had been fighting at 170. He moved up to 185. So you might think, oh, well, he's not going to have the power to compete with guys at 185. Uh, He definitely uh, removed any doubt of that last night when he knocked out Derek Brunson. So huge, huge win for Robert Whitaker. What do you do with him from here? I have no idea. If I were him, I would say maybe call out Gagar Musasi. Call out another one of these guys that's kind of waiting in the wings and probably aren't gonna get too close to the title anytime soon. But um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't rush to challenge him either because is one of the hottest guys in the division right now. But the timeline would work out. I think it would be an awesome fight. Uh I think Whitaker's stock definitely went up after last night. I thought he was extremely impressive, and uh, it was awesome to see that he has that kind of knockout power in his back pocket. Granted, you know, the result may have been that Brunson was basically just throwing his face at him, so, you know, maybe maybe any punches could have knocked him out <laughs> if that were the case, but uh, I'm going to go with the former and say that Whitaker looked really, really crisp and his boxing looked awesome. Uh, The fight right before that, which was the co-main event, hometown boy Jake Matthews against Andrew Holbrook. And it was a split decision for Holbrook, which surprised me. Now, it didn't surprise me because I thought Matthews won the fight. Uh, Quite the opposite. I thought Holbrook won the fight. But the way he won, he was attacking a lot from the bottom. He was going for a lot of leg locks. Um, Matthews actually injured his foot. At some point during the fight, you could see it was visibly swelling up and Holbrook kept attacking it. And what happens when you go for leg lock attacks is you either get the leg lock and the guy submits and you win and you walk away feeling great because you won. You got a submission. You got a finish. If you don't get the finish, you end up on the bottom, which is why we don't see a lot of leg lockers in MMA. You know, there are a handful of them, Ryan Hall, Husamir Palharas, you know, guys that are confident that if they go for that leg, they're going to get it. Because if you don't get it, you're in a bad spot. You're going to get punched in the face. You're going to end up on the bottom. You're going to end up getting smashed. You know, because guys don't just get out of it and then all of a sudden they're in your guard. If you get out of a leg lock, you usually end up at side control or a dominant position. So, Holbrook spent a lot of time on the bottom, but I thought he was more active. I, I thought, and then he definitely landed more shots on the feet. So I was surprised by the decision because this fight was in Australia. Jake Matthews is the Australian fighter and Holbrook spent a lot of time on the bottom. So the way MMA judging usually works, I thought, oh, for sure, this decision is going to go to Jake Matthews because, you know, there's no way that the judges are going to see this the right way. But credit to the judges here. And you can't say this too often, but they got this one right. So, in in my opinion, anyway, that's the way I saw the fight. If you guys saw it differently, I'm always open to debate on these things. But I thought Holbrook won the fight. I didn't think the judges would think he won the fight. And two of the judges thought he won the fight. Which surprised me. So, therefore, I was surprised. Right before that, Omari Agmedov defeats Kyle Noak and... He just kinda smashed him. Just uh, overwhelmed him in, in every sense. Kyle Noak, fairly consistent fighter, very well rounded. And uh he put out a tweet today saying that he was hanging up the gloves and he's had enough. So um I, I always it, it's always tough to see a guy go out on a loss like that because you know he took a pretty bad beating in his hometown. Uh granted he took it from, you know, really tough contender in Akhmedov. But it it is kind of sad to see a guy go out like that. But you know what? He's 36 years old. It's not like he can improve much more at this stage in his career. So I think he realizes where the ceiling is. And you have to respect that. But again, you know, really well-rounded fighter. He's put on some great performances over the years. Uh, Ultimate fighter, alumni, so... We're, we're starting to see these Ultimate Fighter al- alumni start to start to drop off the radar, you know, back from when the Ultimate Fighter was, I don't know how to say this, interesting, <laughs> which I don't remember the last time I got into an Ultimate Fighter season. Maybe it was the Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate season, but uh, I haven't really been following it, to tell the truth. But Manny Gambarian retiring last week, Kyle Noak this week, so... um yeah, and the ultimate fighters are, are dropping off. I, I was talking a couple of weeks ago about how Diego Sanchez is the only fighter from season one that's still actively fighting in the UFC. So, in any case, uh, dominant performance from Ogmedov. He looked great, and uh, sad to see Kyle Noak go, but uh, glad that he is you know, doing what's best for himself and for his family. Uh, the two fights before that were the only other finishes on the card. So, Alexander Volkanovsky with a TKO over Yusuke Kasuya in the second round of their fight. So, that was pretty interesting. What I found interesting about this fight was that Volkanovsky's corner didn't want him going to the ground with Kasuya. So, he took him down in the first round and he was kind of ground and pounding him, but it looked like he was put in some danger of submissions, I guess. So, his corner said, stand with him. Do not take him down. So he stood with him for maybe 20 seconds, maybe 25, 30 seconds, and then he took him down, but he was able to ground and pound him, and he said that he just felt so much stronger on top, and he never felt like he was in any real danger, so he ignored his corner, and it worked out for him. Not the greatest strategy in the world, because your corner is there to see things that you're not thinking about or that you don't necessarily see while you're in there, because You're in the moment, your adrenaline's going and everything like that. So nine times out of 10, you should listen to what the corner's telling you. But to his credit, it worked out for him. You know, he felt good in there. He felt strong on top. So he took him down got the ground and pound victory and uh, looked impressive doing it. Before that, newcomer Tyson Pedro submitted another UFC uh, Ultimate Fighter alumni, rather uh, Khalil Roundtree. So Pedro only his fifth professional fight. Local boy, Australian, light heavyweight, uh, undefeated. Now he's 5-0 and o and all, all finishes. So he's got four submissions and one knockout on his record. And he got rocked by Roundtree in, in the first round. Well, this fight ended in the first round. But Roundtree came out and he landed some big bombs and knocked Pedro against the cage. So he was able to recover and take him down and choke him out roundtree uh his jiu-jitsu not looking so impressive and here's a guy who lost on the ultimate fighter i think he lost twice on that season and then he lost at the finale so a little bit questionable why he is back again but you know i guess they just need an opponent because they wanted to bring in this kid uh, on the australia card so that might explain that i wouldn't be surprised if we don't see roundtree back in the ufc right away but he did show some, some big power in that first round, so if he w- can work on a little takedown defense and maybe some submission defense, definitely sky's the limit, great athlete. Other than that, there was a real bloody fight between Daniel Kelly and Chris Camozzi, and that, that fight was, was a war. Both of these guys super tough and super durable and known for being able to take a lot of damage, and they did. I think Kamozi won the first round, and he opened up Daniel Kelly's face, and there was blood everywhere. Uh, I mean, I tweeted a picture of, of the end of the movie Carrie, for those who, who remember that movie where she gets the pig's blood dumped on her at the prom. That's kind of what this fight reminded me of. And I think Kamozi was so shocked that he couldn't put Daniel Kelly away that it just, you know, sucked the wind out of him, and then Daniel Kelly was able to come back and and win those second two rounds. That, that's the way I saw it going anyway. Other than that, I'm looking up and down the card now. You know, Ben Wynn and uh, uh, Gian Herrera, they, they had an awesome fight. That was very back and forth, and, and Ben Wynn's, uh taekwondo, I think, was the story of that fight, and he really banged Herrera's face up pretty good. And then Jason Knight, who, if you'll remember a couple of months back, he fought on a fight night card, and and he had like a he had like a Diaz brother kind of. Like he was cutting promos and he was on the undercard and he's like cutting promos at the end. Uh some very outspoken, very brash kid. I would keep an eye on Jason Knight because I feel like he's gonna stir the pot a little bit in that featherweight division. I feel like he's gonna start calling people out and you know, he was able to beat Dan Hooker, who's a local boy there. So he was able to beat the hometown guy who I think just underestimated Jason Knight because he's kind of a goof but you know the kid can fight so that, that was a cool fight that was a good one too so you know there were some good good fights on this card I, I think people were a little bit too critical but again like I said there was just something about it that there was just a lack of energy overall lack of energy I, I can't really put my finger on what it was I don't I don't think it was completely the commentary I don't think it was completely the fights. It could have been, you know, the time difference for the fighters. But, yeah, in any case, so the On the Rocks portion of the show. Last week, I talked about my rum cider recipe. And then on the second episode last week, I talked about, you know, some different bourbons and stuff with with Colleen Snyder, which I have yet to try out. I plan on, you know, going to the store maybe next weekend and trying out that Four Roses bourbon she was telling me about for sure, but uh, the episode before that last week, I was talking about my rum cider recipe. So I I did actually make that on Thanksgiving and I made a video of it and I put it up on YouTube, MMA on the Rocks on YouTube, and uh, I'm also working on getting the YouTube channel embedded on the website, so that should be coming this week as well. So I'm gonna start experimenting with the YouTube content. Maybe I'll start putting up some short videos, drink recipes, um, how to's, things like that. Um, uh, I'm going to play it by ear. I'm going to put some content up there. I'm going to see what kind of feedback I get. Let me know if YouTube is where you like to consume more of your media, you know, because I've been doing the podcast thing for a couple of months now. I feel like I'm getting comfortable with it. I'm getting in a rhythm. I appreciate all the feedback you guys have been giving me. If you do have some feedback or you have some thoughts on the podcast, please. Uh, you know, leave it on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you're listening. Leave a review, and let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to hear differently, or what you enjoy about it as it is. In any case, uh, I'm gonna give the YouTube thing a go. So MMA on the Rocks on YouTube. Not much content out there right now, but you know I'm working on it, and I'm gonna be plugging it into the website and. Uh, the more people enjoy it, then the more content I'll put on there. So I'm going to continue doing this. You know, you can expect an episode every Sunday, roughly. And if there's a lot going on, I'll do two. If there's an, a big interview or somebody, you know, I feel like talking to or is available to talk to, then I'll, I'll put something up during the week as well. But we'll go forward every, every Sunday. And uh, hopefully, if anybody tried out that, uh, that uh, rum cider recipe, Let me know what you thought of it for sure. It's an easy recipe. It's not just for Thanksgiving. This is one that will get you through the holiday season. So if you want to do it at the next uh, family gathering, it's a good one. You know, the grandparents can sip on it. uh, You know, make it a little stronger for grandpa maybe. Um, (laughs) Depending on what kind of shenanigans you're looking to get out of your family during the holidays. In any case, feedback on iTunes, everywhere else. If you want to get in touch with me directly, you can do so on social media. As always, at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can go to MMAontheRocks.com and you can leave me a message there. Uh, don't be shy. I like to talk to people. I like to hear your opinions. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me you know you think differently about something. Uh, always up. To debate these things. I love talking about fighting. I love hearing from you guys. And uh, let me know what you're drinking as well. I've gotten some interesting drink recipes on Twitter that people have been sending me. So I plan on trying those out in the coming weeks. For now, uh, I'm drinking some Los Altos tequila, just on the rocks with a a splash of lime seltzer, kind of a poor man's margarita. (laughs) So nothing, uh, you know, nothing too out of the box to report on this week. I'm trying to wind down from the holidays, but. Definitely more next week, as far as that goes. And that's all I got for everybody. Till next week. Cheers. Bye.